0: Sure. To another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of traveling, the show of being a punk looking to get laid. I just turned 37 this weekend, and obviously every year as we have another birthday, making it yet a year closer to perhaps the end. Not to be morbid, but we do reflect and we think about life, and have we done all the things that we wanted to do? Have we said all the things that we've needed to say? And this first chat, the first of two at two separate occasions with Mr. Tomas Estes, is an amazing conversation, an amazing deep dive into Tomas as a person, the spiritual entity himself, the intellectual being, and really a renaissance man, a man of the world, and a man of this universe. Don't want to oversell it. It was a great chat this first time around. Tomas and Carlos Camarena were in town talking about Tequila Ocho, and ultimately this chapter, this first chat, is a discussion, a foray into Tomás's departure from the hospitality industry and diving into Tequila Ocho full-time. So I hope you guys enjoy this first of two chats with Tomas Estes.
1: been in hospitality for 40 years, since 1976. It's amazing. I went into hospitality having been a dishwasher, a kitchen commie, and a busboy, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, I ventured into being in the restaurant business as a means to be able to live in Amsterdam Holland.
0: Is that the, that was the ultimate goal—is to live in Amsterdam. The
1: whole goal was to live in Amsterdam, and I needed a way to support to myself it, right? yeah. to fund it to to live. What was in Amsterdam? Pardon me.
0: What was in Amsterdam that drew you there? Was it the
1: Amsterdam? So I, out of out of university, I went into teaching. Oh, really? As a high school teacher. What subject? Uh, English. English writing. Yeah and a wrestling coach, because I was a intercollegiate wrestler, really for, for four years well that's crazy and two years in high school myself mm-hmm. so, after having been a teacher for seven years and and I went into teaching to give back yeah the- I didn't want to join uh the American dream of going into business and and uh making lots of money and so what you were joining the rat race
0: yeah like it wasn't about you you said like you said it's your expert you want to get back to the community and those kinds of things rather than kind of sit on your pile of cash and
1: that's the thing and um so i visited amsterdam in 1970 and i fell in love with it and i thought here's here's a place where i can really learn a lot about myself yeah somewhere along the line I took the point of view or the philosophy that if there was anything worthwhile in life, and sometimes life seems like a dirty trick on us. Yeah, it does. Especially it turns right. Especially when we have loved ones that get ill and yeah. die. So it's the whole thing of, as soon as we're born, we know we're going to die. And how do we deal with that? How, how do we, we acknowledge we, it? How do we? How do we uh turn the trick around and yeah. live our lives the way that says doesn't matter if we die, we're right. we're gonna we're gonna enjoy the time or we're gonna make the most of the time. Yeah. So along the way I I I I constructed, I found this meaning in life that was, okay, I'm going to do the most with myself that right. I can.
0: Learn the learn, travel all Cult, just imbibe with culture i guess right? be
1: be challenged yeah and uh find out as much as i can about who i am and what i can be mm. so moving to holland was a giant challenge it was new language new culture new life yeah. uh, in total
0: and so you said this was 70 70 you first visited but then 78 is when you started teaching there? by
1: by 76 Six, okay i had uh raised fifteen thousand dollars i had a small treasury yeah and i went with my then former wife and my nine-year-old son Mm -hmm. to to holland and that's amazing found a place that i could afford in the on the corner of the red light district so a an inexpensive part of town Mm -hmm. opened up this little bar and restaurant because nobody was offering mexican food and drink yeah. and ambience in anywhere in Europe. Right. And uh, after three months, it was a giant, giant success. That's amazing. Thank God. And then I went on to open. Uh, so that was 1976. I opened in London in 1982. Wow. Okay. In Paris in 84. In Cologne, Germany in 86. In Milan, Italy in 88. Wow. And then I... Made multiple places. Uh, I made a a bar, the La Perla bar in yeah. 1988 in uh, Paris.
0: Well, so this is, so you're like a deck. You're so decorated, right? You have all these different bars, restaurants, and all these kinds of things. But so I wonder because it seems like going from being an English teacher, and I understand the the giving back part and kind of creating com- a community because food does that. Food is kind of food and drink are kind of the last vestige of art. If you think about it, you know. Well said. You know, because music and I've said this before, but music you can you can get it how you want it whenever you want it. Films, same thing. Now, there's really no good substitute for sitting in a big, nice theater watching 35 millimeter print. There's no substitute for that. But you can try on your little handheld device. But food and drink, that's it. That's all that's left. You have to be there, and it binds us together.
1: Food, drink, and let's call it service but yeah. it's more hospitality right you know uh, in the excuse me mike but i i learned really early on that people the more alienating our environment is mm. and it is and alienating and yeah. a lot of fear around that people uh value being cared for yeah and that's what hospitality is belonging so right we have the kitchen of a restaurant is the heart of the place mm-hmm. but it's the people that are there that are giving our guests the the attention the actually the love
0: yeah that's interesting i never thought about it from like from an alienation perspective so you're out there in the world right outside the doors of this wonderfully caring and compassionate place you're out there going through the rat race like you say and when you mean alienation do you mean that people are they're not polite they are in disagreement in opposition to you all the time. Is that what you mean, or is that...
1: Mike, I really appreciate how uh, inquisitive your mind is in looking into this. I would say we live in a progressively developing age of alienation, Okay. and I think it has to do with commercialization. Mm -hmm. I think it has to do with Mm mass-mindedness. I think it has to do with mass consumption, mass... uh, creation of fear yeah it's yeah. like it's like what was it um big brother was in oh, 1984 brave new world oh right well yeah yeah and i think this uh, well that kind you think that, that's kinda, a whole nother story sure. but um
0: you think things are becoming that commoditized and that rounded and that conformed
1: i, I do yeah. and i think the larger we have a globalized world the more alienating it is i think the family is breaking down sure oh that's very true i mean kids just don't eat at the dinner table with their oh, parents like they used to you
0: had to my mom would make us oh, exactly. appreciate that. i yeah. made
1: my kids but their friends i said to my kids yeah we're going to eat together oh god Dad. Why, why? i said look because- you know don't your friends do this and they said no i said none of them no really so i i find that it's um it's a it's a, through electronic, media. Yeah. It's, it's all distancing. Yeah, it's texting instead of talking.
0: Yeah. You know, what's interesting. So and this is kind of the thing that I love about doing these interviews. Is I never know where they're going to go and they become academic at times. They become product based. But this is something I've been thinking about a lot a long time is that why? So why is vinyl coming back? Right. So vinyl is the only increase in any of the segments for, for music is in vinyl. OK. All right. Cool. Well, what's that mean? Well, I think what's happening, to your point of alienation, that's very, very true. But I think there's actually a positive side to that in that everybody is always trying to force-feed stuff down my throat via banners, web ads, commercials, everything. Now I need to connect with art in my own personalized way. So in a sense, I think it's going to spawn a series of very, very free-minded, independent thinkers. Because... They're saying, I don't want you to force feed this stuff to me. In a way it's gonna cause this counter revolution or where this mass marketing and these products aren't gonna work because people are gonna to be too jaded about it and they should be. So maybe, you know, maybe it's creating isolationism, which I think it is, but maybe it's also creating people that are ready to connect and ready to have honest moments.
1: Mike, I really appreciate that. And to me, what you just said is your way, perhaps your way. Yeah. And I think, it, I think I adopt this way of fighting back against, again, yeah. what I called this dirty trick of life. So as our culture develops in this alienating way yeah. or ways, we can choose the way that we want to fit in, not fit in, mm-hmm. rebel against it, and, uh, again, you're choosing the vinyl and your own way to uh, adapt. Right. Or, uh, or revolt even. Or revolt. Yeah. And so, um, again, back to the way that the world is going, the more that things are com- commoditized.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if it's a word, but I've that
1: Mass-produced, that word. the more you can find your way to create a so tall spirit that uh, nobody else has done the the way that I can choose to make a product with heart and soul in it yeah. in a world that is becoming more and more devoid of that Soulless, as a yeah. gen, as a general rule absolutely so it's yeah. like the slow food movement coming out of Italy or, or uh, emanating first of all out of mm. Italy this is a wonderful movement yeah. that is a reaction against fast food, uh, mass production, mass right. thinking.
0: Slowing it down, changing the <clears> tempo, <throat> you know, reclaiming a piece uh, of Appreciating. That. Yeah. Savoring, yes. right. All of that.
1: Well, like so just, this coffee you have brought. <laughs> Houndstooth, It's man. actually a perfect, the, this coffee that I'm drinking from Houndstooth. Yeah. Um, it's got an extra flavor to it. Yeah. It's got an extra bit of soul and heart to it. It really does. And does that make a difference? To me, it does. Yeah, it tastes different. To it me, tastes it, it tastes deeper. It tastes more
0: passionate. Uh-huh. That's something that you always want to taste when you sip something. So I'm trying to, you know, this is the thing. Where did you start? This, you're, right now, the moment I'm catching you, and much like sipping a tequila that changes in the bottle and every single moment is unique in a snapshot, you're a different person now. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? What's that about?
1: I was born in 1945, so I was a, I was a, what do they call that the baby boomers the baby boomers yeah i mean yeah. one of millions and millions and uh i i grew up in a suburb of los angeles on okay. the east side east side uh in a track house so i was one i i felt myself one of so many that i felt gray mm-hmm. and i thought i who am i what where do I find my own place? And it was important to me to think that I had my own identity. I was looking for it as a kid. Yeah, you know, uh, it's I like don't a, know.
0: It's it's amazing. So you, how how young do you think you recall thinking?
1: Probably in early grade school.
0: Yeah, like what is my purpose? What is where is my place? Is that kind of what you're going? What's to, my identity? Yeah, this existential. How extus- do I fit in here? Dilemma already at a very young age. where does, is that were your parents very philosophical and inquisitive, were they more by the book? Like
1: My mom, God bless her, was a very troubled soul out of Iowa, so yeah. midwest, mm-hmm. small town. My father was a, a small businessman, yeah. uh, from Missouri, so again, midwest, midwest, born on a farm. My grandmother's born on a farm, very common down to earth people yeah my father uh was a very successful small entrepreneur
0: what uh, what industry
1: he was in real estate mm. uh insurance okay and later started some banks oh, wow. down in uh san Diego county yeah so he was a fantastic model for me and uh very supportive yeah if the police brought me home which they did I got thrown in jail which I did yeah he came and got me and supported me and uh was was a very loving successful man in my eyes
0: and I imagine because my my father as well like he's he was entrepreneurial he's been in this industry for the hospitality industry for a long time and his dedication to his work that's what stabilized me after I went through that really really kind of tumultuous creative period now Mm. you know my mom's San Francisco, hip, hip, San Francisco hippie and stuff like that, and but still kind of like the the, the L seven of hippies, really, because you just kind of square, even low, lovely. But you, do you think that you're trying to find your identity and perhaps your place in all of this? That that is where you were doing. I mean, you talk about getting arrested. Is, are you talking loitering? Are you talking drinking? It's like common stuff.
1: Mostly drinking and yeah. acting out. Yeah. Rebelling. yeah.
0: rebelling. Rebelling. The James Dean times we are talking? or before that? Oh, uh,
1: slightly after. Okay. So it was yes. in the early 60s. Yeah, all right. The time of the, the Cuban Revolution yeah. and uh, long the early times of long hair and, yeah. again, uh, finding one's own expression.
0: If there was an ideology, when you're talking about in your teens, was there a fashion sense or a movement that you felt aligned to at that point?
1: Probably it was the movement of trying to get laid.
0: <laughs> that's always a movement, you know, even to this day. that's.
1: And so what was that movement? <laughs> it was to act like a badass.
0: Were you, the, so, okay, long hair, short hair, leather, leather jackets, these kinds of things?
1: Or not the leather jacket, okay. not that James Dean, okay. but it was that sort of juvenile delinquent.
0: Yeah. Brando Not, from the Wild Ones, maybe. Well, oh, that's still leather, isn't it?
1: It was. It was at the end of the Beat era, mm-hmm. the Jack Kerouac, yeah, and the beginning of the hippies. It was that era that Neil Cassidy bridged. Interesting. Cassidy okay. was the who was he? He was one of the main characters in On the Road. Oh, okay, okay. And then later was written about by uh, Tom Wolfe. In the book, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test.
0: Really? Okay. He was
1: the guy that drove the bus, Ken Kesey's bus. Yeah. So it like was... Peter
0: Fonda, I'm thinking, for some reason. I kind of think of...
1: But he was kind of hippie-ish, right? Yeah. Peter Fonda was the guy that was in Dennis Hopper's movie... Mm-hmm. Uh, Easy Rider. Easy Water. Rider. But a lot, a lot of those... Hippies. So I had my motorcycle. Perhaps you, you've seen the, the picture in, in my book.
0: Oh, no. I, I love to see it.
1: Who, you Just look back, you'll, you'll, there's a picture of me circa 1964 yeah. on my, tri- my stripped-down Triumph Bonneville. That's so amazing. the Triumph Bonneville has this image of, as you've said, Marlon Brando, yeah. Warren Beatty, mm-hmm. uh, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, yeah. It's yeah. this rebellious uh, Bob Dylan. Yeah. They've all had their Triumphs, motorcycles. So it was this thing of trying to act badass, dangerous, right. trying to act dangerous and attractive yeah. to the uh, opposite sex <laughs> by street, street fighting, having been in jail.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, growing up in the Mexican community, you weren't uh, accepted by certain friends right. that were uh, Mexican unless you'd been in jail.
0: Interesting.
1: Have you ever heard of the uh, Los Lobos? The band? The band. Yeah, oh yeah. So they grew up in uh, areas close to me and then later lived in the same community, Whittier. Really. And uh, I remember meeting them and saying hello and hey, yeah, we're from the same place. And as soon as I told, we, we, we talked about our lives and uh-huh. they learned I had been in jail a few times. It all opened everything up, didn't Oh it? yeah, <laughs> then I was a trusted person. That's amazing. Yeah, hello there you guys, hello <laughs> David and Louis.
0: So this okay. So now I'm go starting to piece, piece it together a little bit. So you, I, I love this Steve McQueen thing, this being a rebel, this trying to get laid thing. I, it makes a lot of sense. I think we all go through those phases. And you're, what, what would be the word? You're part of the Hispanic culture because that's where you're living, right? So I imagine at some point you get introduced to the food, maybe happenstance or as a side note, but you're around it, right? The Culturally. Were you feeling those kinds of influences?
1: Absolutely. And so in grade school, about a third of the kids were Mexicans or Mexican-Americans. And I I remember going to Bobby Amosquito's house Mm -hmm. and his mom making flour tortillas there at home and beans and having burritos with him. And it was early on that I could see the Mexican kids had their identity. Really, Now, in the United States in those days and i'm sad to say still today mexicans have are stigmatized oh absolutely they are looked down upon they are feared uh because of their life yeah. uh force their energy their their connection to being uh full of full of joy and yeah. and sorrows but that scares a lot of people yeah and uh whenever There is a group that is um, Is it
0: marginalized. Is that a that is
1: marginalized? That whenever there's a group that is uh, that is um, made into the working class. I see. I see. Okay. I don't know what that's called. Yeah, I'm not Uh, sure,
0: but I know what you mean. Definitely.
1: Then, then, if if one if as as Walt Whitman would say, if I enslave another i'm enslaving myself sure. so within this duality of boss and w- slave right right um it it creates a weird well, dynamic, a dynamic and a weird conundrum
0: yeah you you've got to roll <clears throat> either way right
1: and so i i uh i saw the mexican subculture mm-hmm. as having this unique identity aside from the Anglo community. Right. And that attracted me. Because you were still
0: probably trying to find that. Identity.
1: I was trying to find my own. Yeah. And in their outsider status, I found a certain freedom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Instead of being like everybody else and in in a way enslaved by that. Yeah. I wanted to step out of that. I wanted to be my own person. I wanted to make my own decisions. Yeah. And that that was following the beat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tradition. Right. It
1: was following the hippie tradition. And I don't know where that is now. I,
0: mean, I don't either, but it's different. I mean, it's become uh, technological now. But you still yes. can, you can leverage technology in a good way. And you can share things. And the cool thing is that it's a flat space now, right? Well said. You know, you did. Access is no longer an issue. Whether you talk about music, we're having an interview that thousands of people can hear at any time that they want, you know, and it's just yes. an amazing thought. And just, we're just two dudes sitting and talking, but there's this flatness to it. And I love that accessibility. That's one of the perks of the world becoming globalized. Yes. One, you know, also... I
1: totally an, agree. You
0: know, a disadvantage as well. Well, so, okay, this makes sense. So you, you're you getting this, you're in a sense empathizing and also identifying with the, the Mexican culture when you when did you move out of that, that area?
1: I think that whole thing of empathizing, is that how we say it? Yeah, is that fair? Yeah, I, I think that that is something that has really more and more gotten a hold of me. Again, yeah. this transcendental idea, Whitman again. which Whitman expresses to me so well that we are all actually one family Mm -hmm. but even larger than that we are all one soul
0: yeah even with the with nature and animals as well i feel (coughs) absolutely yes and that's that's always that's a side discussion but the way that people somehow distance themselves from nature as if somehow they're a different species although we're made of the same yes you know it's very interesting that we'd rather not find things in common we'd rather find points of difference which doesn't make any sense to me
1: no me neither it it seems so counterproductive it seems so harmful yeah absolutely potentially harmful at Definitely. least
0: it's okay so we got the the english t- teacher piece we've got the massive impact of the world of hospitality and restaurants so there are some college years there i imagine for how studious to me anyway you, you seem that that would have been something you wanted to pursue
1: this had to do with the wrestling yeah so i had been a high school wrestler for two years mm. uh I followed my wrestling into college. Yeah. Bec- also because I didn't know what else to do. Sure. And then Did you get along- a scholarship then for wrestling? <clears throat> no. No. Along the way the Vietnam War came. Mm-hmm. And then I with my mindset, with my kind of idea of not wanting to be a part of this big organization yeah. called society. I certainly didn't want to be a part of the military service, and when the Vietnam War showed its face, I really didn't want to be a part of that. So it was safer to remain in school. I see. Okay, and be drafted, uh, I guess, right? Then to be drafted. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's that was my academic side. Interesting. And then once again, as I Got towards the end of my eligibility with wrestling mm. intercollegiate wrestling I thought what 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 am I going to do with my college education and I could see that one of the things that attracted me and had value for me mm. was to give back to the society, and that looked like a good opportunity to be a wrestling coach and a high school teacher. Interesting, okay.
0: So did you, was English a field of study that was of particular interest or you kind of fell into it because it was part of the curriculum?
1: It was more part of the curriculum. In yeah. fact, English was my minor. My major oh, okay. was, I, I put together uh, social sciences. Oh, interesting, okay. And, and they used to call that a liberal arts Liberal degree. arts, yeah. You, you've heard of that? <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. So I just... Put together whatever I had done out of my interests, mm-hmm. and that was a uh, that was my degree. Yeah,
0: interesting. Did you? <clears throat> so it's a good way to kind of uh, take shelter in a sense, or some kind of uh, insulation against being drafted. So that makes sense. Yes. So you're doing the wrestling piece. You're studying larger other liberal arts, as you say. And so when you you when did you finally finish college? What year would we be talking then?
1: I believe it was, uh, I graduated high school in 1964 and the next five years, 64, 68. Okay, okay. And so then I... Where did you a,
0: go to school, by the way, college?
1: I went, first of all, two years to Fullerton Junior College, okay. a two-year school, and then later to a, which what we called then Long Beach State, okay. which I think is now called University of California at Long Beach.
0: Oh, interesting, okay. That's amazing. So 68, man, this is an amazing year when you oh, talk about music that, and art and all of that. Well,
1: everything was in this tumulting state of change. Yeah. Anybody that was earlier non-possessed, who, anybody that was outside of the privileged class, which was basically anglo anglo uh males yeah yeah so women's rights started coming up it was the sexual revolution mm-hmm. mexican rights started happening black or african-american or whatever right, we right. want to call the those rights that, movement that group that, right? youth mm-hmm. everybody that w- had been outside of this so-called establishment were seeking their places yeah, and finding
0: them—that's amazing. Times just—it seems like a zeitgeist of so many different Russian colors and all these kinds of things that have to shake out and form something. You know, yes, that's the best. But where did so where you did, have
1: a you have a? Excuse me, Mike. You have sure. a strong uh, focus on music. Oh yeah. I mean, look <laughs> at look at Bob Dylan's music. Bob Dylan's poetry. Sure. His expression and the other folk singers. Yeah. Talking about.
0: Yeah, uh, joni uh, Joan. Joni, Baez. joni Mitchell. Jo- yeah. Joan Baez. Yeah. The Beatles still putting out records. The Beatles. In Beach Boys. Absolutely. Zeppelin was about to start. Sixty nine is kind of when they dropped that first record. But a lot of great things happening,
1: you know. And and a lot of expression. Yeah. Of dissent yeah. and and finding one's place. Yeah. In the madness.
0: Did you emerging from the ashes of college? Did you think you had a better sense of identity at that point? That you knew kind of what your place was more?
1: Good question.
0: Or was it just the same kind of, I don't, I'm still feeling it out. I still got to figure out where I am.
1: I think it's been a progression all the way along, and it's still here right now. Yeah. As I listen to you, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about your experience and mm-hmm. your perspective and your wisdom and i'm incorporating that into at this very moment Mm. into this ongoing ensemble this class of of, life right yes indeed so having gone to university was was a good crucible for me yeah and having been a a competitive wrestler i learned a lot about myself there Mm. i learned what i could do and what i couldn't do sure
0: your and physical limitations right absolutely I mean, physical a great thing.
1: as well as interior, really, because when you go out there you you have to screw up your your courage yeah. and face that other person
0: they could have to wipe the floor with you, yeah you know I mean I, can, I don't know that I could ever do that competitive sports like that
1: of know? course you could.
0: well, I suppose I could do it I don't know that I would do it well. how about that
1: <laughs> I'm not sure I did it well either i. I won the majority way 99% of my matches wow. but it was more about the experience for me than winning. Yeah. And it was more about again learning about myself through it and I also wanted to have my own style of wrestling. Interesting. It's like Muhammad Ali uh, really defined himself with yeah, this extraordinarily fresh and different style yeah, that very different. wowed the world. Of, of course, I would not want to pretend that I was a Muhammad Ali of, of, of <laughs> no, wrestling.
0: A, but it is a fair comparison in the <clears throat> sense that finding your own style in anything and finding your own perspective in anything is, is an important thing. Yes, And, you know, I, I love... This industry is just laced with brilliant personalities and brilliant experiences. and I right, so Fascinating one, people. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know, one, that we're going to have to talk more because just we have to. There's so much more. but
1: I'm coming back to find out yeah. about your Sotol, your spirit. <laughs> we'll yeah, we'll, we'll your, go take a trip your spirit. to, to West
0: Texas. We'll see what we could come up with. We just went out there last weekend, actually, and we found a little piece of land. And it's Sotol country, man. There's no agave growing out there in Bernie, Texas, outside of San Antonio. It's strange.
1: I've got to see... The country, yeah, your distillery, and try your your spirit. Sure,
0: yeah, we will we'll absolutely have to do. It. Thank you. Yeah, but so, so we're gonna let's. We have still got some time. We still want to chat. Okay, gonna, you
1: you've got your eye on the clock because I do. Yeah, we're gonna get Carlos Camarena in here, and this man <laughs> has st- 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 stories, stories after to tell.
0: Stories, right? <clears throat> so. I think that the you know the next conversation we have I'm thinking about it already in terms of chapters. Okay, so that, good. That will be kind of the Thank you very chapters. much. Yeah. And I think that that's how this works. So when did love enter your life? Did you see yourself doing the marriage thing, being a father?
1: Very early on, uh I became a father and that was like when I was 21, when I oh, was wow. uh school teacher Mm -hmm. and um i've been it feels like i've been a father all my life and it's one of the so i've opened all those restaurants i think 18 restaurants in these 40 years in the six lands so the last country was australia with a very dear friend of mine phil bailey he and i opened like 16 or 17 restaurants together and so, um, I forgot my train of thought. Oh, that's right. Like, so, bring me back.
0: Yes, yeah, so you said you've been a father. What's ah, like yes, your father? Ah, yes. Thank life. you. Yeah. So,
1: I feel like I've accomplished a lot in my professional life. Right. Having had a number of restaurants, Success. worked with a number of fascinating people from countries all over the world, mm-hmm. in countries all over Europe. And it is my personal life of being a father of four sons that is one of the things that I'm most proud of, and I remain most attached to. Currently, yeah. today, at this very moment, because it's
0: your professional life. The, that's a thing that, of course, there are bouts of love and there are bouts of passion. And Absolutely, it, but it's serpentine; it's up and down. Yes, you know, and you know, to kind of bring it back. It's, it's a, again an interesting place because fatherhood, that's something that will always give back and you'll always enjoy that. You don't need to change your careers, right? Like you know, at this point, I, don't, I doubt you're thinking, well, I'd like to have a daughter now. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit like, you know, you've got these things, you have four sons, you said. Yes. And this is, it's amazing again because this is a transitional period right now. And you'd mentioned that no one works full time for Ocho.
1: Ah uh, yes,
0: but I suppose that's you've had the success professionally. This will be the next chapter for you to dedicate your professional life to the tequila. I know that you're going to always be probably writing. You'll always be engaging and speaking with people, and I think that'll be a piece of you, as it seems so inherent to your nature. But I also feel like maybe this is the time you're going to be all in in the tequila.
1: Interesting question it is that it will it will be easier and clearer for me Mm -hmm. to do much less or or almost nothing Mm -hmm. with the restaurants and much much more with the tequila so it's a sliding scale I'm sliding off of my headspace, my attention, my thoughts, my concerns about the restaurants, and much more onto the tequila yeah. business, which has its place within the whole agave spirits world, yeah. even including something like sotol, sure. which part is part of not, that conversation. For mm-hmm, sure. Sotol, which is not specifically and academically and technically agave spir- right. an agave spirit, an agave, agave spirit, but doesn't matter it's a wonderful it's an absolutely fantastic wonderful uh expression of nature what nature gives us with this wild so tall or spoon plant so yes i think life is for me all about remaining fascinated remaining stimulated and i know quite well that the most magnetic and attractive things now are having to do with Agave Spirits, yeah. tequila, tequila Ocho, my relationship with Carlos Camarena, who's this crazy man. He's <laughs> yeah. this crazy genius. Mad the,
0: scientist, right?
1: Oh, mad mad scientist. And in between the two of us, we have so much fun and so much fascination doing things, breaking out of the envelope and breaking out of the box. Yeah. And so that I find very attractive. It's
0: an amazing yeah. place to go. There's it, no, there. It's boundless.
1: It exactly right? it is, and I can't wait again to see what you've been doing because I know I'm going to get more turned on and more excited about what I'm doing, and the likelihood that I'll find something in the page in pages mm-hmm. of your book <laughs> uh, to bring into mine yeah. is is uh, something. I'm really uh, quite excited about
0: potential. Again, there's no ceiling to this. There's so many yes. undiscovered undis- territories. It is, in a sense, the wild west in terms of North American agave. You know, and that's a whole other conversation, yes. an academic one at points. But does it is it hard to? I, I doubt that hard is probably the right word for it. But are you? Do you feel any sense of loss or kind of mourning? It, although that's a strong word, transitioning out of the restaurant side of things?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I have, s- so of the, I'm not sure even how many restaurants I've had of my own, because mm-hmm. okay. some of the ones that I designed, conceived, and opened were for other people, or right. they were franchises. But of the, probably 10 that have been mine. I now have three in London and one in Paris. So I've sold and closed. For instance, uh, Australia yeah. with Phil Bailey. We lost our lease in Sydney, Australia. Mm. And there was a small death there when we closed it. Um, and it was it was sad, yeah. the passing of that, the knowing that I wouldn't have this link with Phil my dear friend, and we wouldn't be able to express ourselves to not only the Sydney, Australia yeah. public, but people passed through there yeah. who loved and enjoyed the ambience, the food, and of course the tequila. Mm-hmm. So yes, there is this death is it is it closing? Sad, this passing kind of. I mean. It, yeah, it's sad, and what I'm doing is focusing instead of uh, what is finishing on what is starting, right. And what is continuing? Yeah. The new horizons. Opportunity. The opportunity. Yeah. Well said.
0: Well, it yeah. is. I mean, we're we're just just out of spring, but it, it probably corresponded quite quite largely to spring and things being reborn. Yes. And things taking a new turn, a mm-hmm. new season just looking around that corner. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And, and Tomas, I mean, it. I talk to a lot of people and I love people. People are my favorite thing. <laughs> They've got so many different stories. Thanks for turning
1: songs. that love to me too. Oh. This, it feels very good to be with you. Thank you.
0: Likewise. This is a brilliant moment for me. And even if it is, you know, 840 in the morning, which isn't too bad. We both got some coffee and kind of enjoyed that. Yes. The, you know, we have to do this. Like,
1: we have to do this
0: again. We have to to
1: talk like I'm again. so for it. I hope and we, so. we'll do it as soon as we can.
0: There's so much left to say. There's so much left to talk about. But let's keep you and I our palates peaked and interested and we will talk more and learn more about each other and for the listeners as well. This because is then, the
1: perfect point at which to pause. It's yeah. the perfect time to leave a party when the party is going at its peak yes. and we really place. would rather stay. So
0: that's right. Tomas, it's, it's been amazing. We, thank we you will so do much again. And I thank you, Mike I promise you. So thank you. I look forward to it. Me too.
1: And, uh, thanks for doing this. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Good.
0: So kind of a gift to myself and homage to life itself. My first chat with Tomas Estes didn't know him all that well. And, have been privileged to spend more time with him, and I'll bring the more in-depth and kind of the more romantic side, perhaps, of Tomas this Thursday. So I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know Tomas. It's a special feeling to be in a room with him and hear him talk about what an amazing life he has led, and really, as a pioneer in the tequila industry, what kinds of things he's done about agave and, and, and educating us on how you connect with these spirits. It's always poetic talking to Tomas about life and tequila. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Micah G. No matter if you think that last night's halftime show with Lady Gaga was the best ever or if you really want to look for another boxing biopic to watch, please keep dancing.